G'day you mob and welcome to Aussie English. I am your host Pete and my objective here is to teach you guys the English spoken down under. So whether you want to sound like a fair income Aussie or you just want to understand what the flipping hell we're on about when we're having a yarn, you've come to the right place. So sit back, grab a cuppa and enjoy Aussie English. Let's go. G'day you mob, what's going on? Welcome to this episode of Aussie English, the number one place for anyone and everyone wanting to learn, you guessed it, Australian English. So, I am your host Pete and this is the Aussie English Podcast. I hope you guys have been going well, I hope you've been working hard, I hope you've been levelling up your English lately. I have been working quite a bit on my Portuguese though, I tell you what, it is something that the better I get, the more I realise I don't know in terms of Portuguese, the more I realise there is to learn in the language of Portuguese. And a lot of the time at the moment, I find myself thriving, you know, speaking really well, really confidently in my comfort zone with things that I'm really happy about. But the moment I listen to a podcast that is about a topic I'm not familiar with, or the moment I read a book that is about something new, the amount of vocab everything like that, that that I'm suddenly confronting, confronted with that I don't actually know or I'm not familiar with is, is astounding. So, that's one of those lessons I've been learning more recently. I think I've obviously hit that intermediate plateau and to get out of that, to get out of this rut, to, to keep improving, I really have to remind myself, push harder every single day, surround myself with new ideas, with new people, with new uh, content and keep trying to push the limits, right? If you are comfortable, you're probably not learning. If you are uncomfortable, you probably are. So, that's what I've been up to recently. Now, guys, before we get into this episode, don't forget if you want the full transcripts for these episodes, the downloads, the extra videos, all of the other lessons related to podcast episodes, you can get access to those via the premium podcast membership at aussieenglish.com.au forward slash podcast. This episode will actually be a video with clips of different things happening whilst I'm talking so that you can watch, listen, read, everything like that at the same time. Vocab comes up on the screen. It's just the best way that I can put things together to help you learn English more more effectively and more quickly. So, go check that out. Um, Check out my courses as well. You can go and see them on the website. And when the doors are open, make sure that you check out the Academy, which is for all of my advanced students who are really trying to push the limits with their English. Anyway, let's get into today's episode. Before we start, let's get into some breaking news. So, a population of koalas living in the town of Cape Otway in southwest Victoria are eating themselves out of house and home and are about to be given their marching orders. The population of around 330 koalas lives in a small pocket of manor gum forest, totaling about 120 hectares. The population has now grown to about 2.75 koalas per hectare when the desirable number is around one koala per hectare. As a result, the mana gum trees are being overbrowsed to the point of tree death, 
which will eventually lead to the starvation of the koalas if left unchecked. In order to bring the numbers back down to a sustainable level and keep both the koalas and their habitat in tip-top condition, authorities are planning to give the boot to a number of koalas and relocate them to the nearby Great Otway National Park. A number of the females are likely to be inserted with fertility control measures in order to prevent them from breeding like rabbits. Or in this case, koalas, I guess. All right, so before we get into today's joke, guys, I thought I'd ask you if you had ever heard what a male koala mate call sounds like. This is something that used to terrify me when I went camping as a kid because it sounds like an angry pig on steroids stuck up a tree. Okay, so check out this clip from the Taronga Zoo YouTube channel and uh, yeah, let me know what you think. Is this freaky or what? Guys, joke time. Slap that kookaburra on the bum and let's get into it. All right. So, as usual, guys, you know that I like to tie the joke into the expression and the theme of the episode. So, here's today's joke. And I wonder if you can see the connection. Okay. So, here we go. What did the beach say as the tide came in? What did the beach say as the tide came in? Long time no see. <laughs> you get it? Long time no see. All right. So, what did the beach say when the tide came in? Right? The, the tide um, rose on the beach. The water went up the beach. What did the, what did the uh, beach say to the water? Long time no see. C spelt S-E-A, right? Like the ocean. This is a pun on the word sea like the ocean and sea is in to be able to see S-E-E. And we use this expression long time no see when we see someone that we haven't seen for a long time. <laughs> you guessed it, right? So, if I, if I caught up with you in the street and we were mates and I hadn't seen you since, you know, I don't know, high school or maybe university. So, maybe over a decade ago, I might say to you, oh, man, long time no see. And then we could use this sarcastically. So, I bumped into you. It has been ages. And I say, long time no see. I then go shopping and, you know, buy a few things and then bump into you again in the shopping centre. I might say, oh, long time no see, huh? You know, being sarcastic because I saw you a moment ago. Anyway, hopefully you get that joke, guys. So, today's expression is a rising tide lifts all boats. It's sort of a saying. I don't know if it's an expression. I, I would I would use this, but it's one of those. It almost it almost sounds like something biblical, right? One of these kind of uh, sayings that are used. A a rising tide lifts all boats, like a proverb or something. So as usual, let's define the words in this expression, and then we'll go through the definition of the expression, a little bit about where it came from, and then some examples of how I would use it. All right, so. A tide. What's a tide? A tide is the alternate rising and falling 
of the sea, usually twice in each lunar day at a particular place due to the attraction of the moon and the sun. So, the tide is obviously related to the moon and a lunar day. So, the period of time that the moon goes around the earth is actually different as I'm sure you'll know, from a solar day, the time it takes uh, the Earth to rotate and get the light from the sun, obviously. So, I think a lunar day is usually a bit less than a solar day. So, that's why the tides tend to change from day to day, right? So, high tide is when the tide is in, the water is high on the beach. Low tide is when the water is low because the tide is out, right? So, you get high tide and low tide. Rising. Or the verb to rise. If something rises, it goes up, right? It increases. It could also slope upward, right? So, a mountain might rise up into the sky, both in that it lifts up, it increases, it goes up, but it also slopes upward. To lift. If you lift something, I've got a light here in my hand. If I lift this off the desk, I am elevating it. So, I'm raising it to a higher position or level, right? I'm lifting it off the ground or off the table into the air. I'm sure you'll know what the word all means. This is used to refer to the whole quantity or extent of a particular group or thing, right? So, all the people I know or all the words on a page of a book, right? Everything. And lastly, a boat is a small vessel for traveling over water propelled by oars, sails or an engine. Okay, guys, so what does the expression a rising tide lifts all boats mean? What does this mean? Most broadly, this can be used to mean when something is done, everyone benefits, right? When someone does something, everyone wins. It's a win-win situation, right? As in all the boats rise equally with the tide. But you'll also probably hear this associated with the idea that an improved economy will benefit all participants and that economic policy, particularly governmental economic policy, should therefore focus on broad economic efforts, right? So, if you have good economic policy, everyone in the population benefits. A rising tide lifts all boats. So, I did a bit of digging and found the origin of this on Wikipedia, right? So, they went in a little bit into where this this phrase, a rising tide lifts all boats, comes from. The phrase is commonly attributed to John F. Kennedy, who used it in a 1963 speech to combat criticisms that a dam project that he was inaugurating was a pork barrel project. And you'll remember if you go back and listen to our politics episodes, we did one on what pork barreling meant. And this is effectively where you donate money to an area um, that is hopefully then going to vote for your team, right? Your political party. So, you spend funding in order to try and get votes for yourself. However, in his memoir, Counselor, A Life at the Edge of History, Kennedy's speechwriter, Ted Sorensen, revealed that the phrase was not one of his or the then president's own fashioning. It was in Sorensen's first year working for him during Kennedy's tenure in the Senate, when Sorensen was trying to tackle economic problems in New England, that he happened upon the phrase. He wrote that he noticed the, quote, regional chamber of commerce, the New England Council, had a thoughtful slogan, a rising tide lifts all boats. From then on, Kennedy would borrow the slogan often. 
So, there you go, guys. That is where we sort of first get the expression, a rising tide lifts all boats, entering sort of the broader English language. Obviously, Kennedy didn't invent it, but he, um, his speechwriter took it from somewhere else and then it sort of went into popular use. So, now let's go through some examples of how I would use this expression in daily life when using day-to-day English. But before we do that- Did you know that reading whilst listening to English is the best way to learn new vocabulary? Research shows that this is much more effective than just reading material or just listening to material in English. It's the best way to learn and remember vocab, read and listen at the same time. That's why every single episode of the Aussie English podcast comes with a full transcript so you can do exactly that, read whilst you listen. In fact, there's over 900 episodes and transcripts to go with them. You can download the PDF, you can print it, you can write notes on it, you can highlight new vocabulary, and most importantly, you can read whilst you listen to each episode. Also, members get access to the premium podcast player that shows the text and moves it up the screen whilst you are reading and listening on your phone, your tablet, or your computer. So, if your goal is to learn and remember more vocabulary, to expand your vocab in English, make sure that you sign up to become a premium podcast member today at aussieenglish.com.au forward slash podcast. Let's get back to the episode. All right. So, example number one. Imagine that you're a young politician who's entering politics after completing a university degree in business and economics. Unlike most politicians, your main goal is to be a statesman whose concern is primarily the country and the people of the country and where the country's going instead of, like most politicians today, just improving your own position in life, you know, making more money, getting more power and focused mainly on your own station in life. So, you're a good guy. Your most important policy and biggest concern is implementing tax cuts on the lower income earners in the population because you believe a rising tide will lift all boats. So, economically, if you put into place these changes, everyone benefits and everyone gets to improve their their situation. Example number two. Imagine that you are a recent immigrant to Australia. Maybe you've come from somewhere like Nepal or Brunei or China. Your parents and siblings worked their asses off to pay for your plane ticket, your visa expenses, your living expenses, and everything else in the hopes that you would succeed whilst in Australia and would be able to then send money back to your family to help them out in the future. And perhaps when your parents first floated this idea with you and with your your siblings, they may have been less than plussed on the idea, right? Your siblings and as well as you may have been like, oh, we don't know if that's a great idea. So, it wasn't an easy sell, right? It wasn't easy for them to convince everyone involved. So, why on earth would they want to give you all of their hard-earned money to go and live in Australia? Perhaps because they believe a rising tide lifts all boats. If everyone helps you, in turn, you'll be able to help everyone else. Everyone will benefit from the results. A rising tide lifts all boats. Thirdly, imagine that you are a billionaire like Elon Musk or Bill Gates or Mark Zuckerberg. That's probably not very easy for many of us to imagine. <laughs> but, but try anyway, right? Give me the benefit of the doubt here. It'll make sense in a sec. So, you've spent your entire life working hard, innovating, 
growing your business, giving people jobs. And as a result, you've accrued this enormous, you know, unfathomable um, amount of wealth in life. You recognize this, though, and the fact that you didn't earn your wealth in a vacuum. You relied on your employees, on their ideas, on the government, on the roads in the the city, in the country, on hospitals, on everything else that's sort of interconnected. And as a result, you decide that at the end of your life, you want to donate most of your wealth, right? I think Zuckerberg has said he's going to donate 99% of his wealth um, before he dies. So, this is because- You think a rising tide lifts all boats. You want to help everyone else improve their situation, improve their lives. You know that you didn't succeed alone, that you had the help of other people indirectly or directly. So, you want to give back. You think a rising tide lifts all boats. So, there you go, guys. That is the expression, a rising tide lifts all boats. We can use this broadly to mean when something is done, it helps everyone, everyone benefits. But it can also be used in economics where it's associated with the idea that an improved economy will benefit all participants. So, as usual, guys, let's go through a pronunciation exercise where you can focus on your pronunciation and sound more like an Aussie. Okay, let's go. A. Arising. Arising tide. A rising tide lifts. A rising tide lifts all. A rising tide lifts all boats. 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 I say a rising tide lifts all boats. You say a rising tide lifts all boats. He says a rising tide lifts all boats. She says a rising tide lifts all boats. We say a rising tide lifts all boats. They say a rising tide lifts all boats. It says a rising tide lifts all boats. Good work, guys. One thing you'll probably notice there is the different pronunciation of say and says. This is something I hear people mispronouncing all the time. They'll say things like says instead of says. It's one of these weird irregular things in uh, verbs in English where one is conjugated as say, I say, you say, we say, they say. But when it is the third person, the vowel sound changes and it sounds like eh instead. Okay. He says, she says, it says. The other thing you'll probably notice in this phrase is that the word a turns into a schwa, gets reduced, right? So, the emphasis is no longer pronounced on this word when it's in a phrase. So, you'll hear, I say, yeah, 
I say your rising tide lifts all boats. You say, you say, yeah, you say a rising tide. That's something to pay attention to in English. The places that these schwas can appear where the emphasis is dropped on words. Don't forget, guys, if you're trying to improve your Australian pronunciation, make sure that you check out my Australian pronunciation course. You can check it out at aussieenglish.com.au forward slash APC. And this is full of tutorial videos on how to pronounce all of the vowel and consonant sounds in English, as well as advanced lessons for the ways that pronunciation changes when speaking. I've recently added 25 advanced lessons so that you can learn things like the T-flap, the syllabic L and N, uh, the Australian R. There is lots of stuff in there that is helping hundreds, if not thousands of students that have since purchased this course to level up their pronunciation. Anyway, let's go through the Aussie fact, guys, and then we will finish up. So, I did a bit of digging and wanted to connect this to the tides, and I know a bit about Australian history, so I thought I would tell you about the shipwreck coast in Australia. So, whilst tides may help all ships to rise, waves and treacherous seas have caused many a ship to sink. Along the southeastern coast of Australia is one of the most dangerous places in the world to be a ship. The 130 kilometres of coastline stretching from Cape Otway to Port Ferry in Victoria is known as the Shipwreck Coast. It's a staggeringly beautiful region characterised by limestone cliffs which are buffeted by angry seas. Explorer Matthew Flinders said of the Shipwreck Coast, quote, I have seldom seen a more fearful section of coastline. Over the past 180 years or so, the shipwreck coast has tallied up approximately 640 shipwrecks, hence its fearsome reputation and ominous name. Only a mere 240 of these shipwrecks have ever been discovered. One such ship is that of Lockhart, after which is named the Lockhart Gorge on the Great Ocean Road. I thought I'd read you an excerpt from Wikipedia about the final voyage and wreck of the Lockhart. Lockhart departed England on the 1st of March in 1878, bound for Melbourne, commanded by Captain Gibb and with a crew of 37 men. It was carrying 17 passengers and assorted cargo, a total of 54 people. On the 1st of June, the ship was approaching Melbourne. The crew expected to sight land but encountered heavy fog. The inquest determined that, unable to see the Cape Otway lighthouse, having faulty chronometers on board, and not having been able to take a reading to establish his exact position due to bad weather conditions over the past few days, the captain was unaware how close he was to the coast. The fog lifted around 4am, revealing breakers and cliff faces. Gibb quickly ordered sail to be set to come about and get clear of the coast, but they were unable to do so in time and ran aground on a reef. The masts and rigging came crashing down, killing some people on deck and preventing the lifeboats from being launched effectively. The ship sank within 10 or 15 minutes of striking the reef. The widespread popular belief that Gibb mistook the opening of the nearby Lockhart Gorge for Port Phillip Heads has no basis in fact or probability. There's no physical or cartographic resemblance whatsoever. Ships are obliged to stop outside the heads to take on a pilot and the Lockhart never entered the gorge at all. 
The only two survivors of the wreck were Eva Carmichael, who survived by clinging to a spa for five hours, and Thomas R. Pierce, an apprentice who clung to the overturned hull of a lifeboat. Pierce came ashore first, then heard Carmichael's shouts and went back into the ocean to rescue her. They came ashore at what is now known as Lockhart Gorge and sheltered there before seeking assistance. Coincidentally, Pierce was the stepson of James Pierce, captain of the SS Gutenberg. Lockhart's cargo included a range of luxury goods, including a grand piano, which later washed up in the gorge, and a large decorative porcelain peacock made by the Minton in England, intended to be displayed in the Melbourne International Exhibition in 1880. The peacock was recovered intact and was eventually able to be displayed a century later for the Victorian Pavilion at the Brisbane 1988 World Exposition. It is now on display at the Flagstaff Hill Maritime Museum in Warrnambool, along with a number of other relics of the wreck. So there you go, guys. Hopefully that's a bit of interesting Australian history for you. Hopefully you also learn a bunch of English expressions and maybe a little bit of slang and other things in this episode. I hope you enjoyed it and I'll see you next time. Peace.